What's up, guys? Max here with another episode of the Scuttlebutt Show, and today's episode is insane. We have stories today that I've hinted that we're going to cover in the past that I, I knew were coming, but one story in particular that we're going to talk about today, I, I'm actually scared to talk about it. For the first time ever on the show, I had kind of like a whistleblower type situation where somebody gave me some info that they had about this, and uh and I don't even know how I feel about covering it, frankly, to be honest. I'm nervous. I'm actually nervous to cover this. It's out of the Navy, uh, and we're going to get to it at the end of the show. There is a situation happening where people are starting to post pictures of the worst meals they've gotten while they've been on ROM, and I can't wait to share that with you guys. It's epic. It's a classic mid-rats chow style. We've got a couple stories out of Okinawa. We've got the Air Force is acting a fool. We've got two sexual assault cases to talk about. Black History Month, we're going to talk about that as far as the military goes. We have a jam-packed show. First of all, first and foremost, as always, a little bit about yesterday. I want to thank my guest, Cassie, yesterday. I hope you guys enjoyed that show. The U.S. Navy Nurse Answers Navy Trivia video is up online right now. You guys can share that one with your friends. I had a lot of fun doing that. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I appreciate her coming on, sharing her stories. I want to have more guests on the show. If you guys have more guests you want to recommend, send my way. Uh, please feel free to do so. If you know somebody interesting who would make a good guest on the show, just you know, give them my information. I'd love to get in touch with them and bring them on. If somebody has a book they want to plug, a product that they want to share with the world, I'd love to you know break it out here on the Scuttlebutt Show. So what's up, everybody in the chat? Skills, Earl, Justin, everybody, all the all the normal figures are here. I ha I'm happy you guys are here. Welcome. And uh, without any further ado, let's get to the first news story of the day because we have, like I said, a jam-packed show. So thank you to Justin for sending me this article. Space Force is here to stay, but what is its mission? Space Force can't stay out of the news. Most recently, the news story I've been seeing going around is the new White House press secretary, secretary kind of giving Space Force a little bit of a snub. They did clear that up. The new administration has no plans or interest in disbanding Space Force or anything like that. Space Force is here to stay. Space Force actually makes sense. So, but what is Space Force's mission? Let's get the, the wave tops of this article here. I thought it was pretty interesting. So this is from WBR, uh, which is an organization I'm just now learning about uh, today. So the U.S. Space Force, a new military brand, celebrated its first birthday last month. Can you believe it's been a year since we broke the news that Space Force was becoming a real thing? The U.S. Space Force, a new military brand, celebrated its first birthday. But what exactly is its mission? No one knows. We don't know. So Todd Harrison, a director of aerospace security project and defense budget analysis at the Center for Strategic and International Studies, which is a super easy uh, organization to say, and Joan Johnson Fries, professor of national security affairs at the U.S. Naval War College, um, were guests on this show from WBR. And here's some stuff uh, that they covered in the article. So from the New York Times, um, how space became the next great power contest between the U.S. and China and the Atlantic, what happens to the Space Force now. So it talks about how China's rush for anti-satellite arms began 15 years ago, and now it can threaten the orbital fleets that give the United States its military technological edge. But... Do I not remember this correctly, that there was a treaty signed to make space kind of an uh, uh, uncontested area, that space belonged to mankind and not to any one country, and that there would be no war in space? Is that something from Battlestar Galactica, or is that a real thing? I thought that was a real thing. The headquarters of the United States Space Command was supposed to be based in Colorado. Since then, President Donald Trump revived the command in 2018. The state had been its temporary home, and last February, when the search for a permanent location was still on, he had teased that the current arrangement could win out. It would make sense over there in Colorado, I think. 
Axios says nations around the world are shoring up their defensive and offensive capabilities in space for today's wars and tomorrow. Politico says some of Biden's top space advisors have argued that it's important to cooperate with China in space, even as Beijing's behavior continues to threaten America in nearly every other area. And from the slate, as the Biden administration prepares to inherit the space force, it has a profound choice to make is space a commons to share or a territory to defend. So you guys can all go and listen to this entire conversation, this entire article, but it brought up some good points that I want to talk about, which is I did, I was under the impression that there were treaties in existence that prevented the governments of the world to battle over space, but uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I need to redo my homework on that a little bit. Now, the chances of there being some kind of intergalactic battle up there would don't surprise me. Treaties get broken all the time. Uh, Justin just commented. I mean, they would never go back on a treaty dot, 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 right? Obviously, right? Obviously. So as soon as it gets a little, the little interest grows and people go, Oh, you know, maybe we do need a little bit of territory in space. Maybe we should be the ones on the moon. Then it all goes to hell. Right? So it'd be interesting to see, uh, It'd be interesting to see what happens out there. I, I am I am uh, eager to see what kind of stuff comes out of Space Force as far as their mission and their periphery and their AOR being, you know, so far outside the boundaries of Earth. But time will tell. But the good news is, and the reason I want to cover that article initial, with this initial kind of read-through of it is, and what they were talking about, the wave tops there, is to clear up that the Biden administration did express that they have no interest in canceling Space Force. It is here to stay. It doesn't make any sense to disband it at this point. Uh, I think it even makes sense to have it, and I always have thought that, and I've always kind of expressed my opinion that it makes sense to have a Space Force. But, you know, with that being said, I hope that we don't have to get into the into the actual reality of having conflict in space. It seems like we can be bigger people and uh, leave space uncontested, but we'll see. Time will tell. Rachel, what's up? Welcome to the chat. Hey, Rachel, I don't know if you see my email. Send me your info so I can get you a shirt out to you from Patreon. Check your Patreon account. Um, look, uh, Okinawa. Okinawa's got a lot of stuff going on. Um, we have a lot of troublemakers out here, but it's not just uh, military. It's not just civilian. We, it's not just Marines, and it's not just Army or Navy. It's everybody all the time. We even had two Army guys rob, one Army guy and one civilian, I believe, rob a civilian bank last year when COVID first started. It was about a year ago. They thought since everybody's wearing masks, they could get in and out of a bank robbery, no problem, and, uh, and, and go in there and you know wear their masks and steal money. But they got caught immediately and got in massive amounts of trouble. We just covered a story a few days ago about the Marine who was... Uh, had a suspended sentence for choking out the cab driver. But now I've got to cover this from Stars and Stripes. Okinawa-based Marine accused of shoving police officer Air Force civilian faces shoplifting charge. So this is out of Camp Foster, Okinawa, where the provost marshal's office is that, you know, deals with a lot of Marine Corps stuff. Japanese police on Okinawa over the weekend arrested a Marine for shoving a police officer and an Air Force civilian employee for shoplifting in separate incidents, uh, according to a police spokesman. PFC Marvin Earl James Jr. 24 assigned to Camp Courtney. Camp Courtney's, you know, you don't want to be in Camp Courtney. That's up there. That's up there. That's kind of detached. You got to go pretty far to, you know, do anything fun. A lot of the people up in Camp Courtney, junior Marines, they never get a car. They never get to go experience Okinawa. They leave kind of going, Okinawa sucked. Japan sucked. I never really did anything. I do feel for those guys up there, but you can't be acting a fool like this, especially at 6.30 a.m. on Sunday in Naha City, the big city out here in Okinawa, all the way down south. 
A Nahas police spokesman told Stars and Stripes on Monday that James shoved a police officer attempting to question him. James walking alone in Kamoji apparently looks suspicious. According to the spokesman, they don't give any more information as to why he looks suspicious. The officer was not injured and James denied the allegation. Police referred James's case to prosecutors Monday. The spokesman said if convicted, and here's where Japan does not play games, if convicted... He faces up to three years imprisonment with or without hard labor or up to $5,000 in fines, according to the Japanese penal code. And he was still in custody on Monday. By the way, if you guys don't know this, if you get arrested, if you're active duty military and you get arrested and you're in jail and you miss work, guess what? You're UA, you're unauthorized absence, you're AWOL, you're absent without leave. Okay. That's another charge you can get from the military. If you get arrested and sent to jail and you don't show up to work, you can be actually marked as absent without leave and get in even more trouble. Now in a separate incident, Air Force civilian employee, Joseph Butolinsky, which is a great name. If you ever get in trouble to be called Butolinsky, I guess he's the Butolinsky of this joke, 63 years old. What are you doing? 63 years old, arrested on suspicion of shoplifting at a Japanese recycle shop in Okinawa City. I think what they probably mean here is a secondhand store or a thrift shop. They have a lot of those out here in Okinawa, and they have really great stuff, and I love shopping at those. A security guard observed Butolinsky steal several items and called the police. He ended up stealing about 2,068 yen or about $19.70, including a pen. It really doesn't seem necessary. It hardly seems necessary to steal that low of a value stuff. You could have just bought it, and you didn't even need it at all. I would have given you a pen, Butolinsky. The 18th wing at Kadena did not respond to requests Tuesday seeking com- uh, comment on Butolinsky. Butolinsky's, I don't even care if I'm not saying it right. Butolinsky's case was referred to prosecutors Tuesday morning. The police generally speak uh, anonymously to reporters as far as Japanese go for theft in Okinawa. Just to cover this really quick, just to put the fear in your hearts. The punishment for theft in Okinawa is 10 years or less imprisonment with hard labor. And when they say hard labor, they mean hard labor and $5,000 in fines. And we'll kind of see what happens with that as uh, time goes on. But uh, only only time will tell, but I suspect he'll probably get off with a little bit less of a punishment because generally they won't issue out that much of a punishment for people out here on sofa status. They'll usually give them back over to the Americans and count on them uh, dealing with it. Justin, what is the Dunning-Kruger effect? I'll look it up, but um, I, I don't, I'm not familiar with it. Look, I've got good news today too. It's not all bad, okay? It's not all bad. I reported earlier in the year about how Donald Trump and the, his administration was planning on shutting down a lot of the troops who were kind of on permanent deployment status out there in Germany. A lot of people who were just, you know, rotating deployments in Europe and throughout the kind of uh, uh, European region were going to be redeployed and they were going to cease that rotation. But with the new administration, things have changed. A lot of things have changed. And I am actually happy to report that the U.S. halts plans to move 12,000 troops out of Germany. I really like this. I like this. I thought it was so dumb to have all these people stop deploying to Europe. For one, people love going to Germany. I mean, I loved being in Germany. I think a lot of people love, love, love going to Germany. And uh, and I would be bummed if I if I was going to get the chance to go live in Germany in Rammstein or Stuttgart or Landstuhl or wherever they're going. And they're like, ah, you know what? We're actually not doing that anymore. So the U.S. is no longer actively preparing to move nearly 12,000 troops out of Germany, putting an initiative proposed by the Trump administration on ice while the Pentagon reviews it, the top American general in Europe said Wednesday. The plan, which called for relocating U.S. European command from Stuttgart to Belgium, returning the Vilsic Germany-based 2nd Cavalry Regiment to the U.S. and a host of other moves, would have been one of the largest repositionings of forces in Europe in decades. And a lot of this comes right on the tails of Russia 
kind of trying to expand their borders with Ukraine and uh, what is it, Crimea out there, and them moving parts parts and pieces around to uh, enhance their strategy and who knows what's going on with their moves in Syria as well. So for us to draw down at that point would definitely be uh, maybe not the best move. And like I said, I think that it's great to have people going to Germany. It's probably an awesome experience for them all around. At this very moment, every single one of those options, including... Uh, you know, moving people around, they're all on hold. They will be re-examined from cradle to grave. And I'm sure that that means that they are going to just not do them. So Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin has begun a very thorough review of the pr- proposed drawdown, which was announced in July by his predecessor, Mark Esper. Then who, man, poor, poor Mark Esper, poor uh, Chris, what's his name? Chris, uh, I'm drawing a blank right now. Who, who, Chris Miller, who only was in for a few weeks, all these Secretary of Defenses who had kind of a rough go at it. They didn't even include Chris Miller here. His then his, that was his then predecessor. He had a few predecessors. Then President Donald Trump had ordered the Pentagon to come up with a plan to reduce U.S. military presence in Germany, saying that there were too many American troops in the country, which he repeatedly said was not investing enough into its own defense. At one point, Trump said Germany was delinquent on its financial contributions to NATO. We all remember saying that, you know, other countries weren't paying their peace in NATO. I've served with NATO troops on the ground in Iraq and Afghanistan. I always thought they did a great job. So at the low level, at the person-to-person level, a lot of NATO troops were doing a great job. If you've been over there, you probably wore that ISAF patch, the International Security Assistance Forces, where all NATO was coming together to work those missions. I think we owe a lot of our strength and security to our NATO um, family out there. When the proposed drawdown was first announced, Esper and Walter said taking troops out of Germany and moving them elsewhere would enhance security on the continent. But critics of the plan, including a large bipartisan group of U.S. lawmakers, questioned how reducing forces would enhance our efforts to deter Russian aggression on the continent, a main focus of the U.S.-led NATO alliance since the 2014 annexation of the Crimean, Crimean Peninsula and the invasion of Eastern Ukraine. If you guys remember those tense moments when Russia had moved into Ukraine and uh, we were all on the edge of our seats seeing what was going to happen there. I know I was, and I think I was getting ready for Iraq at the time. Maybe I, I, I think I was in Afghanistan and then also returning and getting right back ready for Iraq when that was going on. So, and including that, we flew through Germany a few times on, that, on those deployments. So we were always going through there and it was a great time. I told uh, a couple of stories about that in the show. So they're going back to the drawing board, the article says, and I think that that's a good idea. Let me know in the chat, have you guys ever been to Germany? If you have, how was it? Have you ever lived overseas, been stationed overseas? If you have, did you enjoy that? I love living in Okinawa right now, I'll tell you that. So similar to Freddy Krueger, it came from a bank robber who remembered using lemon juice as invisibility ink. So he thought if he smeared himself in lemon juice, he would be invisible in the camera and robbed a bank. He couldn't understand how he got caught. Wow. Wow, that's a real thing? That is insane. People are crazy. I guess you got to be a little bold to rob a bank. You got to have some, you got to get that confidence out of somewhere. So you might as well go with uh, invisibility powers. I guess invisibility powers. So let's see. I don't even know what story to cover next. We have, I, I, I mean... I'm trying, I'll try to keep up with the chat today, but we have so many stories to cover. I don't even know where to go next. I guess we'll go here to a sad story. We've got a, a sad story to cover. Unfortunately, we just covered a helo crash last week on the show. I think it was last week. Three Idaho Army National Guard soldiers killed in helo crash. Another helo crash. Three soldiers with the Idaho Army National Guard, so another Army National Guard unit, were killed on Tuesday when their UH-60 Blackhawk helicopter crashed near Boise, the Idaho National Guard has announced. The soldiers were taking part in a training mission at the time of the incident. A message on the Idaho National Guard's Facebook page says, an emergency transmitter, or maybe what we would know as an ELT in the Navy, 
was activated around 8 p.m. on Tuesday, and the crashed helicopter and soldiers were found at 12.15 a.m. on Wednesday. An ELT, just a little background on an emergency transmitter locator, locator transmitter, is it's right next to the pilot's seat, and you can flip that switch on, and it's an independent, very ruggedized beacon that if you have a receiver, it, it will ping when you're getting closer and closer and closer to it, and they can hone in on where that crash is, to put it simply. As long as the batteries in it are working and it's been object, then that thing is a pretty reliable way to find downed aircraft. It is not, it, even if every other system on the aircraft goes out and the power's dead and things burn down, the ELT should still be pinging a location. It is not known what caused the crash according to the Army National Guard. They will probably take a long time. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. The names of the three soldiers are being held uh, until the next of kin are notified. Major General Michael Garshak, commander of the Idaho National Guard, said this is a tremendous loss to the Idaho National Guard and our community. Our thoughts and prayers are with the families and loved ones as we work through this tragedy. This is definitely unfortunate. This is the second deadly military helicopter crash in the United States within the last several weeks, and they referenced the three National Guard soldiers who were killed in New York, and we covered that story. So, unfortunately, that's a bummer. In the Idaho National Guard, three soldiers were killed in the helo crash. I hate having to cover that, but... A second time in as many weeks as uh, a helo's gone down in some kind of training operation in the United States, which is always shocking to me. Like the idea that a helo crashed probably on somebody's land, on a, probably a private citizen's land, military helicopter crashes. I can't imagine that happening in my in my neighborhood or in my yard or something, and just seeing that and or being the pilot in a situation or the crew who have to make the decision to put it down there. You know, they they are probably in. In the last moments of the flight, they flip on the ELT. They know they're crashing. They probably make a final radio call, mayday, and then they uh, and then they crash land. And they have to look and like avoid um, people and property is one of the last things that they do. So they don't want to crash. They're probably thinking they don't want to crash into a house and kill any people inside the house. So they're trying to direct that aircraft away from any structures or anything that might cause you know damage and harm to civilians. And they put that thing down wherever they could, um, or at least they would try to if they had the ability to. And uh, and that's scary stuff. So. Um, where to go next? So, so sorry, I had to cover that story for you guys. It's bad news out of, out of Idaho National Guard, but to everyone out there who's been a helo crewman, helo pilot, or flown in helos, we all know how risky that can be. And, um, and aviation mishaps happen. I, I just wonder what's going on with, uh, two and two weeks. Sometimes it just goes like that, I guess. Now I saw this article. I thought it was kind of interesting. It is, uh, where do I go? Where do I go from here? Where do I go from here? I guess I'll go with this story out of a uh, task and purpose in the U S Navy. So let's do this. Let's go here. Let's go to uh, this negative story. USS Lake Champlain crew member admits to hanging a noose at a black sailor's bunk. <sighs> admits at least with this story, they've admitted to what they did. So this isn't speculation. This isn't some kind of sabotage or, somebody framing somebody else, which we have seen in the past. We saw that at the Air Force Academy a few years ago. I don't know if you guys remember that. Somebody actually um, set up, staged what would have been a hate crime type scene, and uh, and it was not actually done by anybody. They did it themselves to just make it look like there was uh, more racist incidents going on at the academy. But in this case, a crew member has admitted to hanging a noose on a black sailor's bunk just in time for Black History Month. A sailor from the cruiser USS Lake Champlain has admitted to hanging what appeared to be a noose at the rack of a black crew member aboard the ship. This is a small ship. This would have a small crew. NCIS is involved. 
They've been investigating after the news appeared on January 26th. The ship was kept in port as investigators conducted extensive interviews with the crew members. Based on a tip, they interviewed a sailor who ultimately admitted to placing the news at the rack. So they got some kind of tip. They got a tip, and then they found a guy who did it, and they probably go, look, we know it was you. We know it was you, Seaman Jones. Admit. And he admitted. That sailor has been removed from the ship, which has been underway since February 1st. Look, they had to delay their underway. He's probably going to get charges boosted because he had to delay their underway. That cost every that cost a lot of money. Port ops, you know, running around. Who knows? Did another ship have to go underway to make up for them for the few days that they delayed, the five days? So the suspect in the case, and they are calling him a suspect, does not have a history of making racist statements, but nothing can be ruled out as the NCIS investigation is ongoing. Andrew Dyer of the San Diego Union Tribune first reported on Tuesday about the news incident aboard the Lake Champlain. Navy Commander Nicole Schwegman, I think we've said her name on the show before, a spokesman for Naval Services Forces Pacific, confirmed that the investigation is underway. The Navy takes all allegations of sailor misconduct and racial discrimination seriously. Due to an ongoing investigation, we will not provide further comment. Now, I'll just tell you guys, I've seen people tie nooses at work and use them for one thing or another. Obviously, it makes everybody a little bit uncomfortable. And I've heard people say things like, hey, you can't be from Kentucky and not know how to tie a noose, you know, think comments like that. And I'm always like, ah, it's just not smart, though. Like it doesn't, frankly, it doesn't matter what you're using it for. It doesn't have a good look. You could use that thing to go out and, you know, tow a hitch, you know, or tow a trailer uh, if you don't have a hitch or whatever you're doing with it. But um, it's just not, not a smart move. I would just use another knot, use a bowline. You know, use a slip knot, but uh, you don't have to tie a noose, you know, with the 13 loops or whatever. I'm not even sure if that's right, but I feel like that's what they say. If you, I think I've seen that in like on TV or movies, you need 13 loops or whatever it is. I don't even know what I'm talking about, frankly. I'm probably sounding really stupid right now, but it's not as stupid as tying a noose and hanging on somebody's rack. Are you kidding me? I mean, what was the message that he was trying to send? I hope that he, I hope that it was, it was, I don't even hope it was a joke. It's such a stupid joke that even if he comes out and says, well, I was just playing a prank on him, that's even stupider than doing it with the intent to cause harm and threat, you know, and threaten. Doing it as a joke is even dumber, I think. Like how tone deaf, let's say, okay, let's argue two points here. He was doing it as a joke. How tone deaf do you have to be to think that that's a funny joke? That's not what you do. That's not the way you roll. Don't do that. So if he was doing it as a joke, that's almost dumber than doing it maliciously. He was doing it maliciously, then that's really jacked up. And I hope that he gets, you know, probably kicked out of the Navy. I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. You don't take these hate crimes as no joke, any, especially not anymore, especially not in 2021. That's uh, not a smart move. So, buddy, whoever you are out there, if there's more information about this as it comes out, maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe I have it totally wrong. The facts haven't all come out yet. If I find out more information about this, then I'll let you guys know. But as of right now, this is kind of a, a jacked up story. So, Here's a quote from the Chief of Naval Operations, Mike Gilday, regarding this. As a Navy, uniform, and civilian active and reserve, we cannot tolerate discrimination of any kind and must engage in open and honest conversations with each other and take action. We have fallen short in the past by excluding or limiting opportunity for people on a basis of race, sexual orientation, sexual identity, gender, or creed. Our Navy must continue to remove barriers to service and most importantly, be a shining example of a workforce centered on respect, inclusive of all, simply put, all sailors, uniformed and civilian, and applicants for accession to the Navy must be treated with dignity and respect above all else. 
I think that's a pretty good statement. And I think that he's right that there's been a number of problems in the past and we've covered them on the show, including with the Harlem Hellfighters that we just talked about a few days ago. And uh, any improvement in that regard is a good improvement. So I hope that that ship is able to recover from this incident and that the affected sailor, the sailor who received the noose on his rack, I don't know what the circumstances are here at all, of course, but I hope that he's doing okay and that he can maintain, you know, his position on the ship. A lot of times if things like this happen, they'll transfer both people. I know in in every instance, if unless the policy's changed, in every instance of a sexual assault accusation, both the accused and the accuser have the right to request the transfer of command. Unless that policy's changed. That's how it was when I was in the Navy. So unless it's changed in the last few years. If you were accused of sexual assault, you have even, let's say you didn't do it. Let's say you were accused of sexual assault. It comes out, it was totally fictionalized, totally made up. Nothing happened, nothing even happened. Not even consensual sex happened or nothing, it was just nothing. You have the right to request a change of command, a PCS, okay, permanent change of station. The accuser also has that ability too, because let's say it was legit and let's say it didn't work out and there was some kind of, you know, bad blood at the command or something like that, or you're saying you're getting undue command influence or involvement, you know, some, something along those lines, you also have the right to request a transfer. So I don't know if that replies or, or applies, I'm sorry, applies to this type of what you would categorize as probably hate crime at this point, you know, while it's under investigation. I'm sure that they're, you know, investigating it as a potential hate crime. That's what they did with that noose found at the race car drivers. Uh, we all know how that ended with it being like not, you know, really related to him or anything like that. But anyway, uh, they do probably put this in the category of hate crime type content or, or investigation, I should say, content. I'm just thinking YouTube minded, I guess. Uh, you, uh, uh, hate crime type investigation until they know otherwise. So Justin gave you two better options, figure eight or double figure eight for your not. And Justin said, if you have to say it's a joke, it's probably not a good joke. That's a great point. Hey, whoa, relax. I'm kidding. I just touched your butt. Relax. Jeez, you're being really uptight, dude. Um, which, speaking of that, I got a story for you guys that has a little bit of a twist, okay? Here's what I want you guys to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to this story. I'm going to come... Yeah, the noose at the NASCAR... We, so, Regal says the noose at NASCAR was a door pull. So, they did figure out the noose at NASCAR had been there for like a long time, and it wasn't a hate crime, and it wasn't malicious or anything like that. So, yeah, we all know what happened there. But... In this case, the person admitted to doing it as like kind of a antagonizing move, I guess, or whatever it is, but he's been removed from the ship and he's under arrest. So I'm just using it as a reference to say immediately they were saying they were investigating it as a hate crime. <coughs> Excuse me, clear my throat real quick. Um, so here's what I'm going to do. I want you guys to, in your heads, picture the person that I'm describing. With this headline. And then we're going to go to another story, and then we're going to come back to this story. Air Force Major, so in 04, Air Force Major charged with sexually assaulting, buying alcohol for junior airmen. Now, in your minds, picture the type of major that I'm talking about. Describe this person. And let me know in the comments if you feel, if you feel like it, what you're describing. And in the meantime, I'm going to go over here to this other story. Five African-American women who made U.S. military history. So this is, was a nice article. Uh, it is Black History Month, and so I thought I would take the time because I found this article from Edwards Air Force Base, and uh, I would share this with you guys. So we'll just cover these five people. Command Sergeant Major Mildred Kelly. So Mildred, this is an interesting one. Mildred Kelly served in the Army from 1947 to 1976. The Army wasn't her first choice. She attended and graduated 
from Knoxville College in Tennessee with a degree in chemistry. So she's a chemist. Keep this in mind. After graduating, she briefly taught high school before deciding to join the Army. But when she joined the Army, she went enlisted. And in 1972, became the first black female sergeant major in the Army. Two years later, in 74, she made ranks of the first black female command sergeant major at Aberdeen Proving Ground. This made her the first black woman to hold the highest enlisted position at a major army installation whose population was predominantly male. After retirement, she continued to serve in a different capacity by remaining active on various boards such as Women in Military Service for American Memorial Foundation, Maryland Veterans Commission, and the Veterans Advisory Board. Command Sergeant Major Mildred C. Kelly passed away, unfortunately, from cancer in 2003. Staff Sergeant Joyce B. Malone. Malone was originally a Fayetteville civic leader who enlisted in the Marines in 1958, where she served four years. Following her service in the Marine Corps in 62, she got married and finished college in Fayetteville State University, another college graduate. A few years went by, and while working at Fort Bragg, she decided to join the Army Reserve. Hey, why not? Why not just get that reserve money? Fort Bragg's 82nd Airborne Division in 71 and 74, she became the first black woman and the oldest, the oldest to earn airborne wings in the U.S. Army Reserve. By 38 years old, she had completed 15 jumps during her time in the Army Reserve. If you know, 15 jumps is not a lot. 15 jumps is not a lot. But for the first and oldest female to go through and get her jump wings, the first black female and oldest to get her jump wings, got to pay respect to that. Got to pay respect to that. Brigadier General Hazel Johnson Brown. Becoming a nurse was Hazel's dream. She attended, hey, nurse. She attended the Harlem School of Nursing. Her career began at the Harlem Hospital as an operating room nurse after completing her studies. In 1955, seven years after President Truman eliminated segregation, only seven years after eliminating segregation in the military, Hazel made the decision to enlist in the Army. She impressed her superiors with her incredible talent and taking multiple assignments across the world. One of her assignments included Japan, where I am now, where she trained nurses on their way to Vietnam. She made history after being promoted in 79 to Brigadier General. With that promotion, she took charge of 7,000 nurses in the Army Nurse Corps, making her first the, the first black woman general to hold that post. When Brigadier General Johnson Brown received her promotion, she said, race is an incidence of birth, and I hope the criterion for selection did not include race but competence. That's her own words. I think that's really, really good of her to say. You know, really good of her to say because a lot of probably pressure was on her. A lot of people were probably condemning her for only making rank because of her race and diversity and quotas and whatever else. But she said, no, I'm good at my goddamn job. So relax. Major general, major general. So if I do my finger counting here, be my little general. Major general will be a two star. So Harris was born, major general Marcelite Harris was born in Houston, Texas on January 16, 1943. Graduated from Spelman College where she earned her BA in speech and drama. That's probably a fun thing to get your education in. I mean that, by the way. That probably sounds sarcastic. Uh, but her, she wanted to be an actress, but her plans changed, so she signed up for the Air Force. In 65, she completed officer training school at Lackland Air Force Base and held a variety of assignments in the Air Force. Her career included many firsts, including being the first female aircraft maintenance officer, one of the first two female air officers uh, commanding at the United States Air Force Academy, and the Air Force's first female director of maintenance. She also served as a White House social aide during the Carter administration, so that's back in the 80s. Her service medals and decorations include the Bronze Star, Presidential Unit Citation, and Vietnam Service Medal. She retired as a Major General in 97, the highest-ranking female officer in the Air Force and the nation's highest-ranking African-American woman in the Department of Defense, and she passed away in 2018. And then Sergeant Danielle Wilson. Wilson served in the U.S. Army and became the first African-American woman to earn the prestigious Tomb Guard Badge, so the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. 
where she was a sentinel there in uh, January of 1997. Born in 1974 in Montgomery, Alabama, Wilson joined the Army in February 93. She was a military police officer assigned to the MP company. She completed testing and rigorous training period and became part of the Honor Guard Company of the Old Guard, where they protected the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. So that was pretty interesting. Uh, Austin says, had to pay those student loans joining the reserves. Very true. Very true. It's a great way to do it. Uh, reserves gets that money, get that reserve money, get that incentive pay. So did you guys do what I asked? Did you picture the air force major who bought alcohol for junior airmen and then sexually assaulted one of them? What did you come up with? I wonder, here, let's cover the story. We're cruising through stories today. We got to, it's already almost, I wanted to be on to the, the Navy SEAL story by, you know, probably 20 minutes till the top of the hour. And so I got to hustle. I got to, I got to hustle. But before I do, Hey, make sure if you haven't already check out the links in the description down below, our Patreon is a great way to support the channel for $10 a month. You become a patron on your second month. I'll send you out a free t-shirt. You can also go to scuttlebuttshow.com, buy some merch over there. Great merch available right now. And you can go to uh, the donation button if that's something that you're interested in. But one of the best ways to support the channel right now is just invite your friends to come watch the show and join the chat. So who did you picture? Who did you picture when I said Air Force major charged with sexually assaulting, buying alcohol for junior airmen, and they're going to trial? Did you picture Major Elaine Christian? I don't think you did. I suspect you did not. But that's who we're talking about here. An Air Force officer who was assigned to the U.S. Air Force Academy Preparatory School will face a general court-martial this spring on charges of dereliction of duty, prohibited activities with a trainee, and sexual assault, according to the Air Force JAG Corps' online docket. Major Elaine Christian, a force support officer, allegedly groped a specially protected junior member of the armed forces. This occurred in the fall of 2019. According to a charge sheet provided by Task and Purpose by the Air Force Academy, force support officers like Christian specialize in personnel management, which could mean anything from developing education programs for airmen to handling promotion and separation paperwork. She's been in the Air Force since 2006. The charge was a violation of Article 93A of the Uniform Code of Military Justice, which I know all about thanks to the time I've spent memorizing the Blue Jackets manual over here. Since the incident, sorry about that, since the incident allegedly took place at the academy, the victim may have been a cadet, though they could have also been a cadet candidate enrolled at the preparatory school. So the victim's identity is being held uh, for the time of the investigation. So lo that's located near the academy, which prepares possible cadets, 40% of whom are recruited athletes for life at the academy. Christian was also charged with committing sexual assault sometime between October 1st and November 30th, 2019, at or near the academy, when she allegedly groped an individual with an intent to gratify her sexual desire. This was so weird to, you know, read to me. I don't know if this is like legal jargon, you know, legalese or whatever, but to grope an individual with an intent to gratify her sexual desire, is that her claim? Like, I just knew that this airman needed to be, you know, have their desires gratified. I just knew they did. So I went up and grabbed him. I was trying to do him a favor. So of course that was without consent. And that's why we're here today talking about this. Christian was also charged with two counts of violating article 92, good old article 92, failure to obey an order or regulation when she allegedly carried an inappropriate social relationship with at least one person at or near the academy. The charge sheet said that she allegedly provided alcohol for Air Force Academy cadets under 21 years old on or about October 1st and November 30th, 2019. So what was happening? What was happening from October 1st to November 30th, 2019 with Elaine and her airmen out here? I mean, 
was it a Halloween party? Was it Thanksgiving? Uh, when is, what is that? Is Columbus Day around that time? Christian's trial is expected to begin on April 19th at the Air Force Academy, according to the JAG docket. So there's going to be a trial. So we'll be able to follow up on this on April 19th. Her defense counsel declined to speak about the case. The Academy's public affairs officer, PAO, stressed that the charges were merely accusations and Christian is presumed innocent until proven guilty. Of course, we, she, gets, she gets that right, even with the UCMJ, innocent until proven guilty. And the trial comes as the Air Force Academy is working to improve its sexual assault prevention and response office. And I would say, I would add, there's cheating scandal that they had recently. The office received 40 reports of sexual assault in the 2018-2019 school year, up from 23 the year before. So that's almost a 50% increase. The sexual assault prevention and response SAPR program found that there were 149 reports of sexual assaults at the service academies overall in 2018-2019, up 117 from the year before. So that's up like 400% or something. The Air Force Academy in particular struggled to rebuild its own sapper office. The entire sapper staff was replaced in 2018 after a separate report called the office derelict. Wow. You know, many, I think every branch has a sapper, the sexual, sexual assault prevention and response office. And that they're supposed to do a lot of things, including educate service members, advocate for service members, receive reports, either formal or informal, and, uh, and help people navigate that that process because there's so much involved in the formal reporting, informal reporting of sexual assault or sexual misconduct claims that they made a whole office for it. And that person is supposed to take that you know job very seriously. All too often though, it seems like the sapper person is the one to commit to sexual assault. The, uh, the DAPA person, the drug and alcohol person always pops on your analysis. Why does it always happen like that? It's kind of like when they say firefighters almost became arsonists. It's one of those things. It did not help that the new staff started from nothing and had to work with office files that were missing, inaccurate, or inadequate from the previous group. The new staff underwent 11 inspections, assessments, and inquiries in 18 months, and they were often oversaturated and under-resourced and a lack of comprehensive onboarding and training. So, you know, Lloyd Austin, the new Secretary of Defense, shares this goal for the military writ large. Military, I'm just going to say at large. We must do more. And as he, this is from a couple weeks ago. Uh, Austin wrote a memo on Saturday, but he's been saying we must do more for a while. And I was just doing my date, doing my some little math in my head on the dates here. Prepare a summary of what is and what is not working in their efforts to combat sexual assault and harassment. All of us need to do better. All of us need to do better. I'm trying to do my part here on the Scuttlebutt Show by talking about stuff like this. But if you were shocked to find that the Air Force major charged with sexually assaulting by an alcohol junior airman was Elaine, a female major, shame on you. Shame on you. Honestly, I did it too. I actually read that whole article and when it got down to the bottom and it said that she had tried to gratify the other person's sexual desires and it, it used a feminine uh, pronoun there, I was like, are we talking about a female? I totally didn't even recognize that when I read it myself. I had to actually go back up to the top and go, who are we even talking about here? So just, Justin says, being all suspenseful like Scooby-Doo, hey, I had to, you know, make this an, an, an active involvement course of uh, news here. Hilo says another moronic way to uh, throw your career down as tubes is sexual assault and also buying alcohol for junior uh, military members. Jacob says, I think that's the legal standard for it to be a sex crime. Okay, so it's just that, le- it's that legalese, huh? It's that legalese. It's th- that's, we got to deal with that sometimes. So a couple days ago, I ended the show on a really depressing story. And I was like, sorry about that, guys. See you later. Bye. And some of you were like, really? That's how we're going to end it? And I deserve that. So I'm going to save a positive kind of fun story for the end here. But it's uh, 20 till the hour. 
And uh, we got to get to this Navy SEAL sexual assault case. Austin says, remember when the Air Force Sapper 05 was arrested for sexual assault and replaced by an 08? I don't. When was that? Link me to that. I wanted to just reference yesterday that I was talking about the, I got my Blue Jackets manual here and I want to thank you guys for uh, checking out Navy trivia yesterday. If you liked that, I'd like to know in the comments if you thought that that was a fun segment um, and you want to see more of that. But there was a time I was not so, pr- not, I'm not proud of this, but I can look back and laugh about an hour. I got in a little bit of trouble and I actually had to hand write chapter four of the Blue Jackets manual. I love having a Blue Jackets manual. I had to hand write chapter four of the Blue Jackets manual. It took me quite a long time. I had that carpal tunnel at the end of that. I should have claimed that actually. <laughs> I had to hand write chapter four of the Blue Jackets manual after getting in a little bit of trouble. So now I keep this on the desk. I keep this as a reference and it's just good reading. If you love the Navy, you might want to have a copy of the Blue Jackets manual for yourself and get it on Amazon. Justin says, sounds familiar. Yeah, you remember that? So you were right. You were there with me when that, I'm, you know, it's not something I'm proud of, but I can look back and laugh on it now. It's, it was, you know, like, what was that? Like 14 years ago. So, all right. So I've hinted at this when we were talking about the Navy SEAL on trial for, um, who pled guilty for killing Logan Melgar, the Green Beret in Africa. And I said, there's another story coming. There's another story from the SEAL community coming, and I'm going to be covering it soon. Just got to wait for it to develop, for it to come more public, because I was surprised nobody's talking about it. But now there's finally something to talk about. Something's happening with this case, and I'm going to bring it to you guys right now. And uh, I'm kind of nervous about this one, because the Navy drops charges against SEAL accused of sexual assault. This hit the news a little it hit the news a little a couple of years ago when it happened, but not nearly as much as uh, it could have. And this might, this might be one of those things where now they're like enough times past, we can let this story out into the public and it'll just disappear like Thanos at the end of Avengers. You know what I mean? You just get into the dust. But I've got to cover it here on the Scuttlebutt Show. The U.S. Navy on Tuesday dropped sexual assault charges against an enlisted SEAL in a case involving a female sailor at a 4th of July party in Iraq at Al-Assad Air Base that had prompted the rare withdrawal of the Special Operations Unit from the Middle East in 2019. Now, here's what happened. There was a party at Al-Assad Air Base in Iraq in 2019. SEAL Team 7 was deployed out there. SEAL Team 7 was already in a major spotlight because of the Eddie Gallagher case. So on the very next deployment that they go on, the team out at Al-Assad had this 4th of July party where they got caught drinking and this sexual assault case pops up and the whole platoon got redeployed early back to California, sent home from Iraq, kicked out of country. That's the worst thing that can happen to a platoon. That is the biggest kind of embarrassment, letdown, disappointment that you could ever have as a combat deploying unit is to get kicked out of country. I mean, honestly, it's the biggest you know, hurtful thing that can happen to anybody in the military is when the team says, we just don't even need you guys anymore. Just go home. We just, we can do more without you. That's the biggest, most hurtful thing that you can do to somebody. Just say, just, we don't even want you guys here. Just go home. I can't think of a worse thing that you could tell somebody who actually, you know, works hard and wants to be a part of a team like that. So under the agreement accepted, so there was an agreement made in the military court in San Diego, special warfare operator, first class, Adel Enyat, pled guilty to a misdemeanor charge of battery and assault for biting the sailor's face and grabbing her neck during what his lawyer described as rough consensual sex. He will serve up to 90 days in the brig at the special court-martial. Remember, uh, special court-martial and general court-martial are different, uh, general being the worst you can get. 
A masked Enyat wearing his Navy dress uniform said without emotion that he was guilty of this plea deal that he said. He told the judge he did not have a solid memory of what happened in his room because of the copious amounts of alcohol he'd consumed. Still, he had... He said, after reviewing the evidence, he agreed that he grabbed the sailor by the neck and bit her on the face without her consent. He agreed with the facts read by the judge that he applied pressure to her neck that caused her to have difficulty breathing. Per the agreement, Navy prosecutors stipulated there was no sexual assault. Enya was not charged for drinking at the party at a remote airbase in Iraq, despite Navy rules barring deployed troops from consuming alcohol. Really, though, like... SF guys, special operations guys drinking on deployment is not shocking and pretty standard stuff. And and a lot of people publicly talk openly about that happening. It was very, very common. And yeah, it was originally charged in December 2019 with sexual assault, aggravated assault via strangulation, and assault by batter, battery for allegedly biting the victim on the face, according to his charge sheet. And uh, his identity is relatively um, uh, kept private here by his mask. It was an abrupt end to his case that had prompted the entire Fox drop platoon of SEAL 7, known as Trident 1726, to be sent home early to San Diego. The withdrawal marked an extremely rare move that cut short the mission of a unit that was in Iraq to combat remnants of the Islamic State, ISIS. The Navy also fired the, C the three SEAL leaders, the XO, CO, and CMC, in the aftermath. Enyat plans to leave the Navy with the general discharge under honorable conditions via the plea, via the plea agreement, and he will lose his benefits. So he's screwed. He's totally screwed. And in another article from KTLA in Los Angeles, they said in his court martial he had been reduced in rank by five grades, so down to E1. So I just found that here in, uh, in the KTLA article. So this, uh, Enyat's lawyer says, it's hard to recover from this in your career. He's going to move on with his life, but many people lost their jobs and careers over a sexual assault that never occurred. They're claiming that he's still innocent, uh, that it was just consensual sex, now, Colleen Grace, a former U.S. Navy intelligence specialist who planned to testify at the trial, told the AP in August that when she saw her friend after a barbecue that night, she had a giant black bruise that marred her jawline and several other marks to line her neck. She said her friend told her that the sex started out as consensual in the SEAL's room, but then he started biting and choking her so hard she couldn't breathe and she thought she was going to die. Grace said her friend flew to Baghdad in the early morning hours after the barbecue to be examined at a military hospital and report the assault. Grace declined to comment about the outcome of the case. Her friend submitted in a statement to the court that was not made public, and her lawyer declined a request to release it to the media. The two friends were among a dozen female service members attached to SEAL platoon during a six-month deployment to Iraq that began in March 2019. Sexual assault is highly unreported, the article goes on to say. The allegation from the 4th of July barbecue led to a second ethics review of America's commando forces in a year. The review by the Special Operations Command found problematic culture that overemphasized combat and put troops at a far, far beyond supervision, opening the door to inappropriate behavior. That barbecue also, interestingly, was only 48 hours after Eddie Gallagher was found innocent of his... Uh, of the majority of his crimes that he was accused of in Iraq from the deployment in 2017. <clears throat> now, now uh, here's the part that I don't even know what I should say or include here, but I guess uh, I will. And I have to say that this report is unverified. Um, unverified, but from someone who would have this knowledge um, reliably told me that in regards to this case, uh, that the assault was uh, um, a little bit more complex than that. Now, I can't speak for the victims who obviously made statements, 
so I have, I have nothing to say that I, I don't know anything to be true. I don't want to speak for the victims who obviously agreed, agreed to this plea deal. But the scuttlebutt in this case is that the sexual encounter started out consensually, but then when it turned non-consensual, the, um, the assault part was an attempt to keep her from speaking about the original, uh, you know, when, when the sex became non-consensual. So if you say anything, we'll jack you up basically. Uh, and that's where the hitting and the biting came into play. Now, that's just scuttlebutt. That's just um, something that I was told by somebody who was a little bit in the know there. And so that's why I was so uh, curious when this story would eventually break and what the outcome would be. But because of the plea, as we know, in a plea deal, a lot of the facts get kept quiet. But I guess uh, in this case, you know, somebody had told me something in my capacity of the show here. And, uh, and then the whole platoon got sent home and it was a, a real, you know, bad look. A real stain on the reputation of uh, the whole SEAL team, the whole West Coast SEAL teams, and a lot of the stuff as far as when we covered a story uh, a few weeks ago, when was that, a week ago, a couple weeks ago, about the SEALs being forced to shave their heads after uh, one person had their hair out of rags. A lot of that stuff is in response to stories like this and the reputation challenges that the SEALs have faced in the last couple of years. Now, I loved working alongside the SEAL teams in my capacity that I worked with NSW and did two deployments. And I never had any, I never, I never knew anybody who did anything like this. It was all good experiences. I have nothing but positive things to say. Um, loved it. Honorable guys, heroes. Uh, we had women on our camps who got treated extraordinarily fairly and appropriately, and they were rock stars too. And there's many, many more cases of that. But in this case, it sounds like, you know, you mix alcohol in Iraq with, you know, July 4th and fireworks and things happening. And then a little bit, things get heated and out of control. And, you know, you end up with something like this. And this is why you can't allow people to go out and get wasted on deployment in close quarters like that. I mean, honestly, you mix alcohol in this kind of, and the, the tension and the, and the high speed situations like that. And you're really playing with fire. You got the gas and you got the fuel and all you need is the spark. And in this case, that's what you got. So I'd love to know what you guys think about that in the comments. And if this story, you know, if you've heard about this before, have you ever heard about this until right now? Um, I'm curious. Uh, Gary's just joining us in the chat. And he, you just missed everything. You just missed almost everything, Gary. I, uh, unfortunately, but we are, we do have one more story to cover and it's kind of a fun one. Um, I do want to, like I said, let me know in the comments if you guys have heard about the seal sexual assault case. Uh, if you have, I'm curious what you've heard and what do you think about this plea deal? Do you think these plea deals are justice, or do you think that they're usually in the favor of the perpetrator rather than the uh, the victims? But, you know, the victims have to agree to, so we'll see. I guess we'll see. Um, for a lot of people, it's a better outcome than going to trial. And if you go to trial, then the person might go completely innocent, or uh, you then you have to be in the public and all this stuff. So a lot of times people just take plea deals. So my wife sent me this article from the Navy Times. The Navy Times has uh, got a great, just awesome article here about uh, the military's worst ROM meal. So if you don't know, right now the military is doing this, the ROM. If you travel from one base to another, you travel, you PCS, whatever, you have to ROM. Two weeks, locked in your room, you get some COVID tests, and they let you out in public. This is to reduce COVID. So when you get where you're going, you get locked down in a hotel in a temporary lodging for two weeks, 14 days. 
And the Navy Times is breaking some news here as to what people in ROM have been eating. What people in ROM have been eating. And if you've ever had some good old Navy mid-rats meals, this might look familiar. If you've ever had box lunch out of the Navy on the flight deck, this might look familiar. But this, this had me laughing, and it broke my heart too. So let's talk about the military's worst ROM meals. And look at this first one. Look at this headline photo here. Somebody took the, took the time to draw a butt and then the turd coming out because you got a turd with some mac and cheese. Nothing breaks my heart more when you get a box lunch or meals delivered to your, to your room, wherever you're at, barracks, and there's compartments on the tray and they didn't fill the compartments. Look, there's five compartments. Put five things on my plate, dude. Maybe there could be, you know, a brownie, one of those nice plastic wrap brownies and two squares with the uh, peanut pieces on top. Hook me up, man. What is this? Three empty slots on a five-slot tray? And what even is that? That looks like something my dog throws up or poops out. I mean, my dog's crazy. My dog will eat anything. And then there's some weird stuff happening afterwards. But what is this? It's, this is nothing. Wait till you see what we got coming up. Wait till you see what we got coming down the line here. So people have been in ROM. They've been locked down. They can't even go out and get food. They have to get food brought to them. If they're lucky enough to have the kitchen, they can make a groceries request if you have a good enough sponsor or buddy willing to hook you up. But if not, you're getting this. What's next? That's disgusting. Remember this guy from Saturday Night Live? Look, what do we got down here? We got, what's this called when they put uh, lima beans and corn together? Is that a, it's like razzmatazz? What is that? Help me out here. Uh, 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 it's not razzmatazz. It's a... Uh, you guys help me out in the chat. You got some razzmatazz, a Snickers bar, which looks ruined, flattened, and a orange or a grapefruit. They, and in this one, they filled all the compartments with razzmatazz. Succotash. Thank you very much. Maybe I'll just keep calling it razzmatazz. It's succotash. So somebody went in there and got hooked up with succotash, which I hate succotash, by the way. I hate it, and it shouldn't be called that. It should be called lima beans and corn. But they call it succotash, they church it up, and then they give you this flattened Snickers, and then they give you this orange, which is probably not trustworthy at all. It's probably somehow bone dry on the inside, and then they call that a ROM meal. What else you got? What is this? Is that a potato? (laughs) Give it up for the potato. At least this person got all their compartments filled. A potato? with some macaroni salad, peas, and a bread. Not even a biscuit. That's just a piece of bread. A roll without butter. Not even cut in half. This potato is not even cut in half. This is just a potato. (laughs) This is worse than prison. What else do we got? So here's our cover photo again. So the turd mac and cheese was sent to us by a service member, Rami, in New Mexico. Jeez, Louise, don't get the turd. What is this? (laughs) <laughs> another one it's a hot dog but without the hot dog it's another one we got the hot dog but without the hot dog and i don't even know what this is what is this this is razzmatazz this is razzmatazz right here this is like a piece of a green bell pepper with what is probably here's what it looks like they went to chipotle or maybe even pollo loco and they got some chicken and they shared it between a couple people, but they couldn't afford to fill the... If you got this, if you got this, I mean, what are you even going to do with this? You couldn't even fill half of this bun with the ingredients from the inside. 
And they left a blank compartment too. Another blank compartment. Another one. Another one. Another blank compartment. I can't even deal with that right now. What is this? What is this? Oh no, God! This is just. Oh no, God! Please no. This no. is just wet, no. wet potato wedges. No. <laughs> this is just wet potato wedges, which are the worst way potato wedges can come. Soaking wet, slimy potato wedges with like. 11 sliced carrots and the main compartment is empty. The main compartment is, they could have even put this stuff in the main compartment. How are you going to give this to somebody? These are people. These are human beings. Don't do it. Don't do it to yourself. And here's what you could have gotten. You could have gotten all these burgers. This looks like a ROM meal right here. I mean, look, let me just say really quick. Somebody out there has to prepare probably a lot of meals. The cooks out there are preparing a lot of meals. So quality assurance is going to allow for some bad ones to go out. Those were some bad ones. That was bad. That was some of the worst food we've ever covered on the show. Here's what you could have gotten. Instead of getting all that, you could have gotten these nice burgers with this fries and every compartment's filled. That's what I like to see. So a Navy culinary specialist who works for the Fleet Command Admiral noted that their team has continued to push out five-star fare for the Admiral and his guests. If you were going to show the worst meals during the pandemic, then please also consider showing the great meals we're continuing to serve as well. Since the pandy started, the pandemic, nearly a year ago, the flag mess took action and social distancing measures, put on our gloves and masks, and continued to serve our Admiral and guests. I think this was a big misstep here. Whoever said this, whoever this Navy CS is, that said then show the food the Admirals are getting, read the room, bro. Read the room. No one needs to know that the Admiral got. What even is this? Like, I where do you even get where do you even get this? Is that a flower? Is that a flower on top of the on top of spaghetti with fresh vegetables and a a a, a, a puree? This just makes you more upset, right? Is anybody else just going, well, that just makes you more upset? Is this what the this is what the admiral's getting? And then you see what the what the devil dogs are getting out there, what the sailors on the ship are getting out there, the, the junior airmen and everything, what they're getting. What is this? Is that a duck? Is that a duck? What is that? That looks so good. I want that. I can't even afford that. Read the room. What is that? And then what is this? <laughs> they called it the old log of mystery. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, remember where we just came from? We got some, uh, some of whatever this is. What is this? Like a pickled potato? This is the grossest. What is that? Is that rice? They used portrait mode on this photo. So I'm only seeing this pickled potato thing up here with some onions, some more vegetable succotash type razzmatazz. The mysteries deepen. What is this? I've seen, I mean, I've seen this before. I've eaten this. Whatever this is on the screen right now, if you're listening on the podcast, I realize this is not a great segment for you and you've probably turned the podcast off, but head over to YouTube and find this episode, episode 108, and check out the last 10 minutes of it because I think I've eaten this before. This actually isn't probably that bad. This is like a, like a meatloaf, Spanish rice type dish. Uh, I mean, I'll take that over the raw potato, but <laughs> it's still pretty bad. Oh my God, what is this? What is this? Under under artillery. Under artillery, they went with uh 
uh, a slice of bread, which is crunchy enough to be toasted, but you know is just stale. A piece of, is that meat? And is this meat? Is all of this meat? I don't know. Is all of this meat? What is this? What is this? <laughs> what is this? What? Got to give it up for this one. This is like, this is the worst one. I don't know what this is. What am I looking at? They When, when they put this in there, they couldn't even get the potatoes into the main compartment here. Potatoes just went everywhere. Splashing around, splish splashing. Everything's just splish splashing. But let's take a minute to note that this person decided to put this on top of their uniform or something. Bad call. Bad call. What is this? What is this? Oh, I, you know what? I see, I see somebody in the comments said, drinking game, take a shot whenever you hear, what is this? That's, <laughs> I deserve that. I deserve that. I, I take that hit. Maybe I said, what is this too many times? And let me catch up on the comments here. So, uh, let's see. Oh, hell no, Gary says. Yeah, don't eat any of that. I bet that is even a cooked potato, Jacob says. I bet it isn't either. Minnie says, it seems like a common thing in police life too. My aunt is a cop and her stupid boyfriend old, did things fully non-consensual. Oh, you're talking about the last article? It just turns into victim blaming, denial, and sweeping under the rug. I'm sorry to hear that, Minnie. That sucks. That's a threat, bro. That's a threat. Are you talking about the food? I hope. It's called suck it ass because it sucks. That's truth. Uh, we had box nasties in the Air Force that looked better than those. Oh, I've had box, I've had box lunches on a flight deck though that were just like an apple. That's all you get. Up there, eighteen hours a day. It's one hundred and seventy-five degrees outside, and all you get is an apple. Why would you compare the wardroom to the galley? Yeah, bad choice. Bad choice. Sometimes I hate the military so much and just sit and smile. <laughs> Sometimes all you can do is laugh. Sometimes it's so bad all you can do is laugh. It looks like the same food we get in this medical facility. Minnie says. I'm already hungover just imagining that drinking game. Yeah, don't play that game. Let me know what drinking game you guys want to play along with me. I've been thinking about doing an ep- a special episode where maybe on a Friday, so like tomorrow is a Friday my time, where I'll sit and have some beers, some Okinawan uh, Strongs, something like that, and show you guys some Okinawa beers uh, and drinks that they have out here. Is that something you guys would be interested in? Let me know in the comments if you would want to have a beer with me on the show, and I'll go grab some uh, drinks from the local Okinawa uh, food place, grocery store. They call it the Sané. I could have just said grocery store. They call it the Sané out here. I'll go to the Sané. I'll grab some Strongs. I'll grab some Orions. And uh, maybe I'll have a beer with you guys. If that's something you're interested in, let me know in the comments. Subscribe. Share the video with your friends. Links in the description down below of the best way you can support the channel. Those shoe highs are no joke. You drink a couple of those and you're toasted. You're toast. See you later. So with that being said, I had a fun time today. I definitely... I definitely enjoyed this episode. I hope you guys got something out of it as always. And uh, I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Same Scuttlebutt Show place, same Scuttlebutt Show time. Cool, some soju. Five strongs I blacked out, Carlos says. Five's pretty good though to put down five. That's no joke. Uh, they're like 11% or 16 ounces. Well, Epic 7-Eleven food, what they have out here, instead of Epic 7-Eleven food, they have the Family Mart and the Lawson's, which when I first got here, Somebody told me, Japanese person, the Family Mart and the Rawsons. Now, I know how that sounds, but even, I'll tell you guys something interesting. People take that kind of like LR, you know, accent, enunciation thing, syllable thing, and they actually uh, really adopted that as like a joke here in Okinawa. So when you go to like a restaurant, even the menus will have the L's replaced with R's, and they do it kind of as like a nod to the Americans. uh, So it's kind of all in fun. 
So Lawson's gang, what's up, Carlos? Hey, let's do this. Let's get Carlos and AO Nixo, and we'll get Nikki on the chat, and we'll do an episode, and we'll drink some Strongs, and we'll have a good time. What do you guys think about that? How does that sound for a plan? Look, it's 12.04 right now in Okinawa, Japan. I've got to get going. I'm doing a video shoot today on Kadena Air Force Base, volunteering some more time, helping out out there. We've got some big projects coming out soon regarding the show and some new stuff that we're doing. With that being said, thank you guys for watching the show. I really appreciate it. As always, I look forward to talking to you very soon. I'm out for now.